Hey, I'm Stevie. What's up? I'm Monty J. And you're listening to the Bookshelf Boyfriends Podcast. Where we take a deep dive with your favorite contemporary romance authors. Asking them questions about everything from their writing process to their reading habits, plus so much more. Join us as we help you find your next Bookshelf Boyfriend. Happy anniversary to the Bookshelf Boyfriends podcast. This is day 12 of our recordings. We are almost over, which is sad and just insane in general that we've recorded this many episodes. (laughs) Y'all don't want to know what our schedule is (laughs) like. Yeah, it has not been for the faint of heart. I think it would have been better had you not gotten sick. Yeah. Like, I think we would have blown through a lot of it had you, not, like, not fallen ill on us. I know, man. This shit's just for the birds. That's what that is. It's for the birds. But um, still excited. Still glad. Um, to Still, like, excited to be a part of it. I have a humidifier, so I think that shit's, like, I don't know. I'm still, I think, in the humidifier's helping. My whole house smells like Vicks Vapor Rub. <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, so there's, there's that, but, um, I'm trying to think like what I need, what we need to tell them. Uh, today's giveaway is sports romance. There you go. You got it. You and we got it. some awesome, awesome <laughs> sports romance authors involved in this giveaway. Um, it includes, let's see. Who can I tell you that it includes? Because <laughs> that's the fun part. It includes. So there will be three winners for this one. So if you're listening, go enter because one winner will win five books. One winner will win a duo, a duet by Molly McLean, and one winner will win the first three books in Bella Matthews series. That's so cool. I, and I love Bella Matthews. Yeah, so we are seeing everybody from Lisa Suzanne, Casey Hagan, who was a really good friend of ours, um, Emmy Foster, Jennifer Sukovic, and Dee Gassi. So it's a great mix of authors involved in this giveaway. We are very grateful for them. Super excited. I think that's it. All right, then. Um, as always, we have a Patreon. If you can't donate to the Patreon, no big deal. Just leave us a review and a like. We're on Amazon. Um, that was what we were supposed to. <laughs> yeah. We are officially on Amazon Music and Audible. Which is just fucking awesome. Like, I am still dumbfounded that they invited us to put our stuff on there because, first of all, I wouldn't have known how, how, like which way is up trying to figure that out but that was super awesome to get and we are officially on there all of our episodes are available on there um we are also on stitcher app because i placed us on there um all very exciting and we're if you go to our anchor it's it'll tell you all seven uh platforms that anchor has including apple and everything like that Well, um, I think that's everything, isn't it? Yep. 
All right, let me pull up the bio for the author that we have coming on. Katie, I said Katie, fucking Stevie. Kate Brumberg. I was going to say Stevie. Hey, she has a character named Stevie. Shout out to that book. I was like, Stevie's very excited for this. One second. I got to get it pulled up here. Here we go. All right. Are we ready? Yes. Okay. Uh, New York Times bestselling author Kay Bromberg writes contemporary novels that contain a mixture of sweet, emotional, and a whole lot of sexy, and a little bit of real. She likes to write strong heroines and damaged heroes who we love to hate but can't help to love. A mom of three, she plots her novels in between school runs and soccer practices, more often than not with her laptop in tow. Since publishing her first book on a whim in 2013, Christy has sold over one and a half million copies of books across 16 different countries and has landed on the New York Times, USA Today, and Wall Street Journal bestsellers list over 30, 30 times. Oh my God, small flex. Her Driven trilogy is currently being adapted for film by Passion Flicks, with the first movie Driven releasing August 10th. With her imagination always in overdrive, she is currently scheming, plotting, and swooning over her latest hero. You can find out more about about her or chat with Christy on any of her social media accounts. The easiest way to stay up to new releases and upcoming novels is to sign up for her newsletter or text Kate Bromberg to 77948 to receive text alerts when a new book releases. Let's go chat with Kate Bromberg. Cat. Yeah, fuck. Kate Bromberg. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us on our anniversary Kay Bromberg, welcome to the Bookshelf Boyfriends podcast. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. We are super excited to talk to you. I think Stevie has like been like chomping at the bit for this episode. She, yeah, like she, we have, she, we, we have both been like super excited. I think, I think her more than me, honestly. I think she's. Well, and you're also sick, so. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, she, I mean, yes, but no. Um. But yeah, we we were we have just been like super excited for this episode. Cannot could not wait to talk to you. And um, yeah, so we're gonna hop right on into questions. And Stevie, I'm gonna let you go ahead. Okay. So we're gonna do because you have a new book coming out very soon. Yes. Um, for the Play Hard series. So we're gonna start with questions for that series. Um. So one thing I absolutely love about this series is that not only does it feature a different couple, but a different sport in every book. So Decker and Hunter are the first ones and that's hockey themed. Um, What was your original inspiration behind doing each of these siblings with different sports? So I, I love doing families because I love the connections between them. um, And I always love having like a strong father. Um, And so it's kind of like, it's four sisters working towards um, saving the sports agency that they work for. But at the same time, I love sports and I love athletes. And I think there's such a multi-dimensional facet to them that you can write about, you know, it's either they're struggling with their game, they're struggling with who they, their identity. So for me, it yeah. adds a lot more ability to be flexible with characters and um, with storylines. Cause there's a lot of sports books that sound the same. I mean, there's only so many plot lines. So in order to make it, you know, unique, um, and so for me, 
I didn't want to do like a whole hockey team or a whole baseball team. I just thought it'd be cool to mix it up and do different sports. Cause I, I mean, I literally will watch any kind of sport. I'm one of those girls, um, which I know some people don't get, but I just, to me, it's, it's fun. I love that. Yeah. So I, for me, I wanted to do, um, hockey. I've never done a hockey book. Um, soccer because soccer is huge in this house I have my son's name is Beckham for god's sake um, <laughs> even though I was never a soccer lover um but both my old my two my oldest and my middle play soccer and then I want to do baseball because baseball is my love um and then I wanted to do football and then we got to the fifth book and I was like oh crap what other sport can I do and I did tennis I like that I I personally like learning about other sports and books even though I might not watch them yeah I like learning about them well and for me my books even though they're sports oriented they're not mm -hmm. about sports you right. know like, even like with driven it's about racing but it really has nothing to do with racing it's just it kind of adds to the character and the background and gives some like background fodder for like some scenes but um there's something to me about athletes that are fun to write because, you know, they have to be part of a team, but then they have to be, you know, be cocky and confident in themselves. Um, and so it adds just more to the story that I can pull from for a plot. Honestly, I love that. See, I, I'm a sucker for sports in general. I was like raised by a single dad and my like, okay. So like in my house growing up, ESPN was just always on the television like even for just background noise and my dad is like an extreme extreme sports buff like not just like one sport in particular like even though he did play like baseball and he was very good at it um every sport like I'm not even joking you we have this joke like running joke right where if we play like uh like heads up like game that you have on like you can get on yeah. your phone there's like a category that's like sports legends and my dad is in, like, it's insane. Like, we'll play with him and he'll know the stupidest crap about these people. He'll be like, he'll be like, yeah, I used to work in a grocery store before I got drafted in the NFL. And I was like, what? I'm like, dad, what are you? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, he's like in 1977, he won gold. And I'm like, dad, I have absolutely no idea who you were talking about so i i love that i love the concept it, of doing know, that. I didn't, my dad liked sports but we didn't like watch it all the time and we we did a lot of racing in, in my house so um for me i think it was just my older sister liked to watch sports and lay on the couch and watch it and i would sit down but i think yeah. it's something that i've learned i can do with my kids yeah, yeah. um and ironically, my son does not like to watch sports, but my oldest daughter will sit down and watch any game with me. So that's kind of fun because she's in that teenage phase where she hates me. So that's the one, <laughs> like the Padres, like the baseball team, the Padres, which is where yes. they go. Um, that's kind of our connection right now. It's the way we can sit down and like spend time together without her hating me. I love um, it. Yeah. I mean, she's 15 and a half, you know, she knows everything right now. Um, so for me, it's kind of that connection across different, you know, you know, age groups and stuff that I can connect with my kids, um, which sounds weird, but it's true. I love that. So you have the fifth book releasing, I think, September 7th? Yes. Which by the time this airs, this, that book will already be out in the world. Um, first of all, this is a character named Stevie and I'm obsessed. <laughs> Because it's rare that I see my name on anything. Yeah, well, I like different names, so. Well, 
I use this analogy all the time. I'm one of those kids who's never had one of the personalized bumper stickers or the the license plates. I have a daughter named Crosby, so she will never find one. Oh, who he will never find one. And then my daughter's name is Brooklyn, which back when we named her, it was not common. And it's spelled with an I, so she will never find one. So I feel you on that. (laughs) You... Just cross you, know, like, you mean like the touristy shops with the with the name tags on like the keychains? Yeah, exactly. My name is never spelled right either, so I get it. Does Crosby have like? Does she like hockey? Oh, no. Gosh. Okay, so but hold on. Here's the here's the funny thing. We named Brooklyn Brooklyn. Okay. Then we named Beckham Beckham. Not soccer fans, but David Beckham's son is named Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's so funny. And then um, I love the show Parenthood. Uh, and the character Crosby in Parenthood and I told my mom at one point if if I was having a boy I would totally name him Crosby because I just love that name and she's like well why can't you name your girl that yeah so that's where Crosby comes from I'm obsessed I I love I love Parenthood everyone thinks I'm a a major sports because Sidney Crosby yeah (laughs) I'm telling you right now like every person ever is like Sidney Crosby that's why you got that name and she's probably like nope yep she gets that I get that all the time I love it (laughs) So what can fans expect from Steepy and Finn's book? So, um, and Hard to Love, this was a book I not did not intend to write, um, but I wanted, I think it's fun as an author to be challenged to redeem someone that you make people hate. Oh yeah. Um, and so halfway through, I realized, oh crap, I made people hate him a lot and I need to figure out how to redeem him. So like in the last two books, I kind of softened him up a little. Um, their book was unexpected for me, honestly, because I wasn't sure. I, oh, I can't. I, I know you're going to ask me this in a minute, so I won't get into it. But um, in my outline, things changed uh, dramatically. And so I kind of got stuck and I didn't know what to do. And then I felt like I resolved the book halfway through. Um, but their story is making him step up and be be the person who takes care of someone else and having, you know, we always fix damaged heroes. Um, It was fun to have a female character who needed some help and, you know, was definite, like, I'm not a princess. I don't need saving, but at the same time, she has to soften at some point because, you know, we all do need people at times. Um, So it definitely took me by surprise, the story. Um, So you're going to expect enemies to lovers, um, forced proximity kind of um and just the unexpected with finn i'm here for it i'm so excited i binge read all these books i think in like four days yeah which one's your favorite so far ah that's a tough one but i think i have to go with hunter and decker because i have a soft spot for hockey players and i just like their story so much and then you hated, me at, the end with, you hated me at the end with a letter. Yes. Oh my God. I always know a book, a book has to make me get the chills when I'm writing it. Mm-hmm. And I know it's good. So that scene for me was my chills scene. I'm so obsessed. <laughs> um, so obviously this one's a little bit different with a sports agent and a tennis player. So what was your favorite part about writing their story? That... Can I cuss? The hate hate fucks. I mean, those are the best. I love writing enemies to lovers because there's so much tension and almost there. And actually the book opens up 
Um, the first couple chapters open up in a scene that basically puts Finn in his place. And it was a lot of fun to write and be like, ha, you deserve that. I like it. I'm here for it. Hate sex is the best. We yeah. literally just yeah. talked about this yesterday with JT Geisinger. <laughs> I love, yeah. Amy well, writing sex yeah. seems as hard enough as it is. I mean, you know, we all know where things go, where they fit into each other. Um, so <laughs> it's more like having, like, after, I mean, I'm on like book 29 now. Like, at some yeah. point, you, you, there's more than mechanics. So you have to figure out what drives that and to me there's that good like anger and tension is so much fun to like aggression you know absolutely same i agree i think that's why enemy lovers is like one of my favorite tropes to read um because of that tension that you get from every book and it's always different for every book that you read correct so okay. it's one of my favorite things i mean secret baby is my all-time favorite trope but enemy lovers i don't think i've ever written a secret baby maybe i should I'm obsessed with Secret Babies. Everybody who listens to this podcast already knows that I'm obsessed with it. I just need to read, my problem is I have to read, like, I have to read books with them so I get, like, the formula well, of them. Read the one to come to to find out recommendations. Exactly. <laughs> There's reasons why Gianna Darling likes to, cut. like, she was like, message me your recommendations so I know which ones I will actually like. Gotcha. She was yeah. like, I need a story in there. Yeah. Well, that's uh, the problem, yeah. So can we yeah, expect? Um, Go ahead, MJ. I was like, that's my least favorite trope. That's why we work so well together. Yeah, you like reverse harems. I like dark romance. Just get it. You just get that out the way. I just yeah. like dark in general. Okay, sorry. Continue. Okay, so can we expect more of the play hard series in the future? I'm not sure. Um, it's kind of hard to keep adding characters on when you already have written like the family and the. Mm -hmm brother uh or the enemy i'm not sure i'm actually probably gonna write an old school trilogy next i think go back to okay. like the old school trilogy um no one's writing them anymore really that's uh, true and so you know i love the standalones in the series like a series of standalones because people can pick and choose what they want to read and they mm -hmm. don't get forced but at the same time i like being able to write a couple over several books because i feel like you become more connected with them yeah um, and you have more of an in-depth story and like sometimes in a, in a standalone I'm like I don't feel like I like I can put everything in that I want to and I start throwing things out yeah um so for me I, I kind of want to go back to my roots uh with where I started and maybe do an old but it's it's probably going to be around surfing um oh I'm here for that Tell me up, tell me up. yeah I haven't written a love triangle yet so I think I'm going to do a love triangle I am all for a love triangle people might hate them I think I love it. They can be the best I, stories. I think I figured a way to do it so that people don't hate me for it. Like, you know, like. You got to kill one of them off. I'm joking. I'm joking. That was a joke. I'm not going to say the word. I see. I. Okay. I was going to say something and then I totally blanked on what the hell it was. And I hate myself for this. It's because I have pneumonia and I have pneumonia brain. What was it? It was important. Oh, I feel like writing a trilogy is would be so difficult because like I can think on I can count on like my like one hand like the groups of trilogies that I really enjoyed because I think it, it takes so much talent for an author 
to be able to to hook a reader across three books of the same couple you know and I think that's like the fact that you have been able to don't talk me out of it no (laughs) no 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 no, no. I was like I was I was leading into a compliment I think the fact that you've been able to do that is super like successfully um is super is like you know like a kudos to you and your talent so I think that I also think I also think it was a sign of the times like when I wrote Driven Mm-hmm. You know, that's all we had. We had the Crossfire series. We had the Blackstone series. We had this man series. You know, we had um, Fifty Shades. So that's what, like, we were all used to reading. Yeah. And, um, you know, the dreaded cliffhanger, as much as people say they hate them. Oh, I love them. Trilogies, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think, with that, I have to say, be careful, so it doesn't sound like I'm coming off like I'm bashing anybody. But back then, there were limited people to read, and I and I was a you know I benefited from that, and I know that. Yeah. And nowadays, so many people are just trying to push books out so quick to make a quick buck. Yeah. The quality isn't always as great as it as it could have been, and not that my quality is great. You know, I'm I'm not trying. I, I'm saying this in a generic way. Right. Yeah. That Kindle Unlimited has made it so that the more you write, the more you make. Hmm. And it doesn't always mean that there's an investment in the story. Um, and, and I've fallen into that too. You know, I could tell you every detail about Riley and Colton from the Driven series because I lived with them for two and a half years. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't remember details about a book I wrote six months ago because I, we have to write so fast now. We don't get a chance to fall in love with our characters like we used to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that translates to readers too. You know, sometimes I don't think, I think readers know when authors have to, are flying a book out as fast as they can for monetary reasons. So I don't even know what my point is with this, but it's like the old school trilogy. I feel like it allows you to fall back in love with your characters long enough so that readers can too. Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. I, yes. it was really long winded, but I'm here for it. There's just been a change over the last eight years with how we have to approach writing. And I would love to fall back into a story where, you know, I'm driving down the road and I see something and I'm like in my character's head thinking, oh, so-and-so would love that, you know, like. Yeah. Type of thing. I'm here for it. Okay. I'm here for it. That was a little soapbox. I didn't mean to. <laughs> <laughs> so usually on this podcast, MJ knows this, I get to ask authors who they choose for uh, movies and what series they would make into a movie, but you've already done this. Uh, with fashion flicks what was it like seeing your book come to life crazy surreal insane um you name it it was the unexpected like it's not something you know when I wrote driven I hope to sell 100 copies like this was never ever in my realm it was like no one even knew I published Um, so for me to be able to sit there on set and be like holy crap, like that scene is coming to life. And, you know, and have then have, you know, you know, Tosca, I'll cut and then look at me and say, is that good? Like, are you okay? Or, you know, have them say, well, when I read the book, I thought they meant this. And when I read the book, you know, like the two main characters, like arguing over their points of views from the book, it was just kind of sitting there going, wow. Like I would have passed out. Yeah, it's crazy. The, the amount of respect Passion Flicks gives the author is, is insane to me because I know, you know, with a lot of options, the author's there with their name on, on the, you know, executive producer, but they're not doing shit. I, I mean, honestly, they just don't want them involved. 
Passionflix is so dedicated to, um, and they're not paying me to say this, they're so dedicated to having it right because they know the readers know every word. Yeah. So, you know, anything that we deviated from the script, I had was, was the one who cut it because I, you know, like there's, Colton can be cringy, not cringy, but when you read something, it's way different than when you see it. Yeah. Um, and there, he has some lines that I, you know, in a book and back in, in that time frame when I wrote it, the hardcore alpha, the, you know, was a lot, was very dominant, you know, in, well, pun, in pun intended. Um, yeah. And when you translate that to screen, it comes off like, oh God, like if that guy, if a guy said that to me, I'd be like, see ya dude. Um, so for me, I went in with the, with the mindset of, I would rather have someone watch a full, the full movie and be mad at me for cutting the line yeah. than go in and hear one cringy line and turn it off and be like, oh, that was horrible. So like on the fifth run through of the script for Driven, I finally just cut everything that I was afraid would be cringy. And like, I told Tosca, okay, if I'm not there and we're filming and something comes off totally cheesy, cut it. Like I had no problem cutting it. Um, so yeah, it was insanely cool to be a part of it and to be so involved in it, you know, and to like have talk if I, when I wasn't on set to have Tosca be sending me clips from her cell phone, like, Hey, are you good with this? Like, can I, can we, you know, call, make this cut, you know, good. And I'm like, uh, yeah, as I'm crying you know, at home. <laughs> I love it. So I have been dying to ask this because MJ knows I'm a huge fan of your everyday heroes project. Yay. We've actually had a, quite a few authors on who have actually written in the world, um, including. Oh, like, hopefully they say nice things. No. <laughs> well, Ariana, um, Ariana Rose was one of them. We've had uh -huh. her on. There's been quite a few people who have actually written in the world, and they always they all have positive things to say. Yes. But. So, what led to building this world, and what was it like choosing the authors that would go into it? Um, for me, it was my pay it forward, honestly. Um, when I started, uh, so the author, I'm not going to say names, but there were a lot of authors I emailed, you know, cause I, I had knew nothing about bloggers or anything. Like I like literally wrote a book. I, I read some books. I decided to challenge myself to write books. And then I was like, oh crap, what do I do? So I contacted some authors that were popular at the time. And I, I majorly got blown off. Like, you know, like good luck, good luck to you type of thing, which now that I went through that, like I understand they have a million messages, but I know what it's like to start and make huge mistakes. And, you know, like with Fueled, I didn't register my ISBN number correctly and I missed hitting the New York Times. Like I had sold enough copies to be really high on it, but I didn't know that I had to register it. You know, I didn't know what that red dot next to it meant that it wasn't green, that just mistakes. I made yeah. a lot of mistakes. I didn't have anyone to ask. And for me, the world's gotten even, or, you know, the book world's gotten even more complicated with publishing. Um, and for me, it was my pay it forward, you know, give other people a chance to ask questions and to maybe get a little bit more visibility um, in this very flooded publishing market. So that was my premise going into it was to kind of just, you know, hey, let's go through this together. And if you have questions and, um, how, you know, how can we, how can I help in a sense? I love that. That's awesome. But it's I think that it shows that. Yeah, and it, it doesn't, I don't mean it to sound that. It's just, you know, I, it's my pay it forward. I it was very fortunate that I hit when I did. And um, 
I always say if I had written right now, I don't know that if I would have had the same visibility. So um, it's just my way of trying to give back. That's so awesome. You're such a nice it. person. I love that. So what's next for 2021? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not a good planner. Like I say that I, actually the Play Hard series is the first series in a long time I have like planned out um, as far as what I'm writing. So I think I'm going to do the trilogy, but I say that and I haven't started it. So I need to like figure my stuff out. <laughs> we have three kids. It's, we, I, it's been 18 months of COVID world. Like I'm just trying to fit, you know, they're all finally back in school. Um, so yeah, I need, I have to write a short story for an anthology that's due um, on Tuesday that I haven't started. Um, and then I'll figure out my next books. Listen, that's literally me. I am, I, yeah, my life is a disaster at the moment. The only thing I can probably plan is like when I need to get off of this couch and go pee. <laughs> so um, we're going to move on to writing questions and I'm going to take this portion. So when did you first realize that you wanted to be a writer slash author? Uh, that's a hard question. I've always liked to write. Um, out of college, I wrote a book that I got some interest from agents. Um, but at that time in my life, I wasn't ready to take criticism. I was young. Um, and the agent that I that was interested in me, like literally wanted me to rewrite the whole story and basically tell her story in my words. Um, and so I didn't feel comfortable with that. So then I just, life happened. I moved on. I got married. I had kids. Um, so I've always liked to write, but it wasn't until I read 50 um, Shades of Grey and then started reading, you know, like Rain Miller and Joni Ellen. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, I had three kids under the age of five. I was really sick of watching TV at night. So I challenged myself to write Driven. Yeah. That happened. See, I just think, I love like what 50 did for like author, like it's the author community in general. Like, no, not, I mean, 50 did so much for just like women, author community, like romance genre in general. Like it did so much. It was like a catalyst moment for so many people. It was, and, and it was, it was being able to watch a normal person do something to achieve success. And for yeah. me, like I was daunted by having to write sex scenes because I was like, oh, holy crap, I have to actually say that out loud. Yeah. Um, but I also think I couldn't write what I write now out of college. I think it came with being older and like kind of owning your sexuality. And there's things that a 21 year old cannot express. I think that someone who's in their late thirties, early forties can. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree to an, to an extent. Cause I think that, I think that the younger generation, I am going to say that I am younger. Okay, you might not know because I sound like an old lady with pneumonia, but I, I will say that I think that my generation is a lot more like open and oh yes, definitely, you're definitely more freer with your sexuality, which is cool. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot like taboo is not taboo, you know, like yeah. So I yeah I should I should have phrased it that way, but I, I for me at that age, which was Jesus twenty years ago, it was a lot different. Yeah. And like, for example, like I tell this story all the time. It's the funniest thing ever. My grandma, I busted her on Thanksgiving. She had like 50 shades freed on her table and like underneath like newspaper <laughs> and stuff. 
And I found it and I was like, grandma, I was like, what are you doing with this? Like, why is this here? And she's like, oh, that's your aunt's. And I'm like, you liar. I was like, are you reading Fifty Shades of Grey? And she was like, will you hush your mouth? She said, hush your mouth right now. She said, I don't want nobody hearing this. And I was like, grandma, I was like, it's fine. I was like, I've already read it. And she's like, this is filthy. It's filthy. You don't need to be reading it. And I was like, oh, I was like, grandma, I was like, if you could only see the stuff that I read, like, because after <laughs> before I read 50, I had read the Black Dagger Brotherhood series by J.R. Ward. I had like started it. And I was like, broski. I was like, grandma. I was like, you should just, I, I read, I read about vampires who do these things to people. Okay. Like it's fine. It's fine. So my mom's the one who called me and said, Christy, you need to pick up this Christian gray book. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So are you, do you have any interesting writing quirks? Like eating Twizzlers or like wearing the same hoodie and like, or the same like writing socks or something like that? Not really. I do. It drives my husband crazy. I usually lean back in my chair and put my feet on my desk and put my laptop in my lap. And he's always like, yeah, I really can tell you're working. Um, but just because it hurts my back for so long to sit up. Yeah. Uh, but no, I don't. I uh, probably my interesting quirk is that I procrastinate and then I, oh crap, I have to write a book in a month. Um, that's probably my most interesting quirk because it's always like, oh, I have time. I have time. Oh shit. I don't have any more time. Um, and then I become like the writing monster. I would pass out physically could not do that. Yeah. All of the play hard books I probably wrote in like 30 days. Oh my God. The talent. Stupidity. <laughs> Lady, the talent. So what do you like to do when you're not writing? Um, when I'm not writing, I'm usually driving my kids to a million places. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, my kids have sports every day of after school. I mean, that's pretty much all I do is do mom stuff. Um, Listen, there's nothing wrong with that. Bitch about not wanting to cook dinner and then having my son at like nine in the morning. Mom, what's for dinner? Um, I don't know. <laughs> that like it's such a that's such a that's such a teenage boy thing to do. It's such a boy thing. Like he asks me at nine. He asks me at three the minute I pick him up, and it's like Beckham, like dude, you're gonna eat. Don't worry. I promise I'm not gonna. I'm gonna starve you. Um. Yeah. I mean, pretty much. I work a lot, and then sometimes I we usually like I usually work at night. I, I work during the day in between pickups and drop offs, doing like the business aspect. I should be writing, but I don't. And then do the kids stuff from like three to nine, and then I start writing at like ten ten o'clock at night. I think that's a good. That's I mean that's a boss bitch schedule that's what that is i'm always boss tired lady. i fall asleep boss in the pickup lady. line and i have to set an alarm so that i don't like when the cars start moving I'm not the asshole coming <laughs> up the line what is the weirdest thing that you've had to google for a book this is like my favorite question you know i knew you were gonna ask that question and i was trying to think like i don't know if i it may have been Oh, it was like stuff for Resist and Reveal, like Madam stuff, like escorts and all that kind of stuff. Because that book deals with an, a madam. I just know that the FBI, like every author ever, is on some type of watch list. <laughs> yeah, I clear my history often, even though I know it's still sitting on the computer. But just in case the kids have to pull something up, you know. No, when I die, you better destroy my hard drive. Nobody needs to look at that. Nobody. We have an author who came one who puts her laptop in incognito mode. 
kids so her kids can't see what what she's been looking at yeah I can see that what does your family think of your writing and have any of them read your books my mom is the first person to read all my books um so she's the first person that reads them and she usually says in the beginning this needs to be a little dirtier um she's probably the only one who's read them my sister is not my sister's like into literature which obviously I don't write um and then my husband read one book and then he got in a fight because he asked me if that's what he want I wanted and I said no as I nod yes you know (laughs) so um no I you know it's weird. Like I release books now and like no one in the world, like no one in my family knows, like it's just, cause it's just every day, you know? Yeah. It's kind of weird. Like, but usually when I have a book, when I finish, I'll send it to my mom. So she's usually the first one that gets it. All right then. So that is my last writing question. Stevie, I'll let you handle your reading questions. Take it away, lady. Okay. So this can be any of your co- your books or anybody else's. What book has your favorite cover? Ew. Um, I'll stick with mine. Let me see. One of my favorite covers is probably Sweet Cheeks because it's like the flower. Like he's she's a baker. Mm-hmm. I love it. Cover all you see is him, and then he has a flower handprint like on his abdomen, running down. Because that was a fun. Process. This is not, that's always hot. Always hot. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's hard. It, I'm not a fan personally of ab covers and guys on covers. Um, but I've tried it with, and everyone says, "Oh, we're so sick of abs." And then when I cut, change the cover into a couple, it doesn't sell. Yeah. And then I put abs on it, and it sells. So, you know, I was just on TikTok because someone posted said something for me to look at something, and you know. If I, if, if I could get so, some of the comments were like, I'm so sick of seeing guys on covers. And I'm like, well, then buy the other books. Like, I yeah. love the fantasy covers. There's so many fan, like YA fantasy covers that I love. Same. But it's like, it, that doesn't sell for me. So, yeah. So I just what, like abstract covers in general. I think yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I like watercolor ones too. I'm not, I'm not. Okay, listen. I don't care if a dude, if there's a guy with an abs on okay, a cover. All right. Like I'll buy it. I'm just, I like, I, I like all covers. I just think if it's like, for me, it has nothing to do with like, if it's a couple, if it's abs, if it's like abstract, you like whatever it is, it's just, if it's like, well done, if it's a well done cover, it's well designed. I'm like, I'm buying it. I'm buying it. Agreed. So what attracts you to a book, the cover or a blurb or recommendation from someone? Or the title, because that's another Or the title. One. We have to add that one. Um, typically, the title and the blurb. The cover, I know covers sometimes, like, I have a cover that I did with Penguin that I got no say in, and it looks nothing like what the book is supposed to be about, yeah. but we did it to try and get it into Target. So, like, I understand from my side of it that covers aren't always the author's choice, so I usually don't always look at the covers. I mean, yeah, the cover will catch my eye, um, but for me, it's the blurb. It's... Um, recommendations from others like people that I trust because there's a lot of people who will just rave about everything one author does and I don't always believe them because I wonder what they're getting in return yeah I mean totally I understand that sounds crappy but on my end I've seen a lot of people you know um so for me it's more the blurb and um just 
the feeling you get, you know, like you're reading the blurb and you're like, oh, you know, that's, that's unexpected type of thing. Yeah, yeah. So I agree. I will agree with that. I like blurbs as long as they don't give too much away. Yes. If they give too much away, I'm like, I feel like I just read the book. Well, and that's something interesting with doing the world project. <laughs> so many blurbs, I'm like, okay, you're writing the whole book here. Like you, you need to hint at things. You need to cut it short. You need to, um, yeah, I agree. I am the, I'm the worst. I have to cut, I have to cut blurbs so badly because I will, I will do that. I, and it's I like, I won't even. Friends that I like, that I will be like, okay, read this. What do I need to cut? And they're pretty good at hacking it for me. Yeah. Because, but see, the thing is I won't even reveal anything. I'll just continue to talk in circles for like eight hours. I have yeah. that, it's like, I'm so good at that. Well, and there's things that you think are important as an author, because you know, what's going to happen that you feel you need to put in there that really the reader is like the, you know, possible reader is like, what does that mean? You know, yeah, exactly. Being like, you know, canny and like putting something in there and you're like, it that means nothing to the person reading it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This is the part where you can shout out some of your friends. Who are some of your favorite authors to read? I don't like to do that. Um, <laughs> I'm weird about that. I, because then I feel like I'm picking people. Um, I go outside. I always say I'm a huge A Court of Thorns and Roses fan. Like, <gasps> oh my God, Chrissy. Oh my God. I just choked. I just choked on my spit. Oh my God. <laughs> Sorry. Do not, do not do me like this with my pneumonia. No. I read at least once a year, the whole series. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. I, okay. I need, I need a second to breathe. Continue. Sorry. <laughs> So yeah, so that's, that's the one I, that's my go-to. That's who I say. Um, Sarah J. Mass, all hail. She, and then um, I think I'm going to start reading Outlander because I kind of fell in love with the TV show. So I need to, I need to see if it's a, the book. Have you read Tog? No. Oh my God, you need to read it. Thorn, uh, like, the more like Throne of Glass by Throne Sarah Jemass. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, okay. So here's this. The, my my daughter was 13 and she really wanted to read A Court of Thorn and Roses. And I told her I had to read it first. And I talked to some bloggers and they were like, yeah, you know. Um, and so we were on vacation two years ago and I picked it up to see, you know, if I, if she was, if it was appropriate for her. And I literally didn't pick my head up for like the entire time. And then I love that she makes you love who you hate. Oh Yeah. Oh my God. And I mean, he's just the best hero ever. And I'm not, Reese is just the best hero ever. So I'm telling you though, I'm going to have to wait like nine years for Asriel's book. And he is the love of my life. Okay. What did he you is- think about Cassian? Okay. So, all right. This is going to be an unpopular opinion. I'm aware. But I actually really like Ness. Like, I really liked her character. She is, I feel like she is the definition of like a morally gray female. I like that too, because she's more like me. She's bitchy. Yeah. And I feel like she accepted that and she owned that. And I think a lot of people had a problem with her not becoming like a soft wallflower, even when she was with Cassian. And I was like, I think that Sarah J. Mass stayed true to her. And I, I liked I, it. My only problem with, with the Silver Flame is that the sex there was a lot there, of it and it was there was some crassness there like not that I have any room to talk but yeah. you know when you have a series that's aimed towards YA yeah 15 year old who wants to read it oh yeah no, I she, cannot read that book oh not that one no 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 
you know, like yeah. it is like explicit, explicit. And some of the things I'm just like, oh my. And um, I sold some books for her by saying that. But for me, it was, I'm not sure why there was such a switch up, you know, why we went yeah. from some sex scenes in, in Akatar with not explicit. I mean, there was a lot of flowery words so that you got the gist, but you know, a 15 year old yeah. read it and not be like, holy crap. Um, yeah. To Silver Flames was porn. Oh yeah, straight porn, fairy porn. So, and for see, me, that for me that that's the only my only crit, like criticism of it. It was like as a parent from a parent side of it, like as a reader, I was like, okay, I'm good for it. But as a parent, it was like most parents wouldn't know that, and they would just let their kid continue the series. Yeah. Well, so see, my thing is, Azriel's book is going to be like ten times worse. Like my man's into BDSM. I'm telling have you, you have you seen the like the plot theories on TikTok? Yes. I don't oh my God. Listen, have you seen the one where they talk about how Asriel and Reese's sister were mates? No. And that, oh my god. And bro, I don't okay, even we're gonna lose people. We have to go, we have to go back. Yeah, I know. I was like, don't <laughs> even kill against me. However, you need to read Tog by her because if okay. you like if you like Actar, I like Tog more than I like Actar. Because no, like, know, uh, my daughter read through all of them in like like week, a couple weeks. Yes, because I feel like Tog for me was so like plot driven and character driven that it was just, it was just phenomenal. It was just okay. greatly it was greatly done. Okay, anyway, sorry. Moving forward, sorry. <laughs> so, do you prefer e-reader or physical copies? Um, I'm gonna say e-reader. I like books. I like the smell of books. But the thing I like about e-readers is you can look up words. Mm-hmm. You can make the font bigger for us old people. Um. <laughs> And I like that you can highlight things and come back to it. Like you can highlight them in a book, but it's not the same for me. I really like the feature that you can look up words because I think that's something that sounds really stupid, but um, how many times do you read over a sentence and know a word fits, but you don't really know the meaning of a word. So for me, I like being able to, to do that. All right. I like that. I also like highlighting in books, but I will not read my books on my bookshelf. Yeah. They are strictly for viewing pleasure. Yeah, pretty much. So what was your last five-star read? Uh, the Bronze Horseman. I have heard such good things about that. And I have, it's that Bronze Horseman's trilogy, right? Yeah. I have heard such good things about that and I still have not picked it up. Dang I, it. I, I picked, I've had it on my Kindle forever. So I have to I finish, I have to finish the series though. I can't ride and re- write and read at the same time because I pick up pieces of what I'm writing, of reading and I don't think that's fair to the author. So I try, I don't get to read much. I'm going to read it. I got to read it. I have to. I mean, I've got pneumonia. Might as well. <laughs> um, so that, Stevie, is that your last question for yes. the reading one? Okay. So we are going to move on to, sadly, it is the last portion, but it is our favorite section of the podcast. Not because it's the last part, but because it's our favorite set of questions. I have to clarify that because I have realized over the times that I've said it, it sounds like it is our favorite because it's the end. And that's not true. So what it, and it is trope questions. So what is your favorite trope to write and why? Um, enemies to lover because attention, like we said before, I do like second chance romance as well. Yes. Um, because I like that there's already an established connection there. So I don't have to build the backstory as, I mean, I have the backstory already there. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, as an author, you get criticized for no matter what you do, but when people jump into bed right off the bat, you get kind of slammed. 
So for me, with a second chance romance, it a lot, you know, okay, so it's only 30% of the book and they go into, they jump into bed, like that's okay because they already know each other. They're working through issues. Um, I do like fake romances. Um, mm-hmm. I like writing that and then having them figure it out. So those are probably my top three and sports romances, I should say four. I am telling you, I can, it is so hard for me to get into books where it's like a dry connection from the start. Like they just meet each other and then they're, and then they just get to know each other. And then like, we're following this process of them like dating almost. I literally, it is so hard for me to get into those because it's like, where is, where's the flavor? Where is the tension? Where is the angst from the fact that you guys have been in love since you were four years old? I don't, I can't, I can't do it. I can't. It's so hard for me. Unless it's like YA and we're fighting in a battle and you meet each other on the battlefield. Then, then I can get into it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Then I'm like, yeah, wait. Yep. I kind of like this. I kind of like it. So what is one trope you would eventually like to write and why? Uh, Romantic suspense. Oh, yes. I love me a good romance suspense. Sign me up. Oh my God. Listen, dark romance is my jam. So any type of dark romance that includes romantic suspense, that is my jam and my jelly. Sign me up for that. You want to do that in a trilogy? Okay. (laughs) I'm just saying. I will 100% pimp that out like no tomorrow. You're funny. Um, What is one trope you will never write and why? Probably alien romance. <laughs> that is the first. That is the first one. Alien, we've had. That like isn't that the thing that's going around right now? It's the blue alien or the dino porn? Like yes, no, Ice Planet Barbarians. Yeah, probably not. I mean, I would say paranormal, but never say never. I. I that feel is like so you need to read a bunch of it. I feel like you need to read a bunch of it. I feel like you need to. Like I would love to write historical, but I do not know enough verbiage and the right, his, like, I don't like to have to do all the history research. Yeah. Um, I love history, but I just, you know, for all I know, he would touch her hand and, you know, I wouldn't know that that's like their courtship, you know, I would mess it up. I mean, as much, my historical extent is like Bridgerton, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that is the first time somebody has said alien. I think so too. Never. And I think not because people want to write it, but because I think that they forgot that that is like a thing. I don't know where I was the other day in some group and someone's like, I need more of the blue alien porn. And I'm like, what? And so then I went down a rabbit hole. Ice planet barbarians, bro. It blew up on TikTok. The blue people blew up on TikTok. And genuinely what I think, I honestly think, who is it? It's like Ruby Dixon, right? I have no idea. I think it's Ruby Dixon. It kind of reminds me a lot of like Avatar with the blue people on the planet Pandora. Okay. And so like, I was, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I totally read it. <laughs> I don't even care. I read, by how much you knew about it. I read all of them and I liked them. So it's fine. It's fine. Everybody has their own little quirks. I, and you know, it's not I wouldn't read it. I just couldn't write it. I mean, yeah, definitely. There's no way I could do it. But like, I saw it on TikTok. I bought all of them and I was like, you know what? We'll just try it. And then I started it and I was like, oh God, now I got to finish them. I got to finish because it's good. My readers are a definite set of like, uh, I can't think of the word, like a dynamic, 
you know, if I write too young of characters, I, they don't like it. If I write too old of characters, don't. so it's like, I kind of know where my bread and jelly, you know, peanut butter and, and jelly, butter? whatever. Yeah. Bread and butter. Thank you. I'm like, I, <laughs> analogy, right? I, love um, I know where that sweet spot is for me with my readers. Yeah. That's not to say that I think, um, I definitely might throw them off with my trilogy that I'm going to write. So we'll see. Listen, I think it's going to be great. Okay. I think it's going to be great. Have confidence. F.A. I will. All right. Maybe you asked the last question. Okay. So if you were in a book, what trope would you want for your story? Enemies to lovers. I want the hot sex. Ah, same. Same. I mean, I want that almost kiss and the frustration that goes with it. And then the hating him as he walks away. And then him coming back and just grabbing by the back of the neck and kissing me senseless. I'm going to tell you right now, I would kind of want to be I would kind of want to be in a Cassie and Anessa story. I'll be honest with you. He's. I'll just take Reese. Like. Yeah. Ah, I don't know. He's a little. T- Listen, I'm. T- I think I'll take him. You can have. Ca- you can have Cassie. I'm gonna, no, no, I want as. I want as real. Okay, as real is the love of my life. Okay. He's my a part of our harem. My little shadow singer is the love of my life. Okay. And I, I, even if I have to wait nine thousand billion freaking years. For his book, because you know there's a TV show coming out, right? Yep. Oh my god, I'm so I'm nervous. Thrilled that it's. I'm thrilled that it's the Outlander producer. Me too. I think he's going to do such a great job. I'm really excited. I'm really excited. Even though I'm pretty sure that the fandom's going to tear each other to pieces when That's casting true. is released, it's going to be. It's going to be like all they hail. Will. They will. I went through it a little bit with Driven, and now my fandom's like a like iota of what hers is. So yeah, it's it's going to be a fucking shit show, but it's okay because we're excited. Anywho, so that is our last question for you. This has been super awesome. You have been fantastic. Thank you Thank so you much for me. coming on and talking with us and sharing all of your awesome information and telling us about this maybe th- trilogy that you're going to be writing that I'm totally going to read. So thank you so much for joining us. Stevie, I'm going to let you tell people who the final episode is and then uh, you can bid us adieu. I'm gonna need a drum roll for this one because I'm really excited that A.L. Jackson is coming on. Exciting! Woo! I love A.L. Jackson. I got so many questions after finishing her arc. I love her. She's so nice. So nice. But yes, Kay, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. You have been great. Um, and we hope to chat with you soon. Okay. Anytime.